Welcome to episode 25 of Kept Secrets. I'm your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have also experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experiences and the treatments that helped heal the brokenness. My abuse started as early as five to six years old and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There's a long history, but I've created this podcast in hopes of helping one person. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to be back. I took a small break. Um, I don't even really have a reason. I just needed to kind of just not have a commitment, I guess. I don't know. I don't really have a reason. But I'm so glad to be back and I have a good topic for you guys tonight. It is how childhood trauma may affect adult relationships. So y'all know that Belle has has passed and we have Archie still. My little two-year-old Shih Tzu. Almost three. He is very annoying sometimes and I apologize for that. He started early tonight. I'm one minute in and he's already asking for treats. If I don't give them to him, he'll bark. So if you hear, that's because I've taken his little bones and I cut him in half and he gets a treat to shut up. I know that's horrible. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you guys understand. I'm just trying to keep him quiet. So I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I am doing okay. I don't really have a lot to report um, other than the last probably month or so that I've taken a break. I've heard from a good handful of you guys and you guys are so encouraging and I really appreciate it because sometimes when I'm doing this and I'm just kind of spewing my own information out there and you know I I don't know if it's helping excuse me I don't know if it's helping anyone so when I get feedback from you guys I love it so um it just kind of keeps the keeps encouraging me and keeps me moving so Also, um, to anybody who has requested topics, I have a small list, so I think I have a few episodes that I can get out of those. Um, Other than that, tonight we're going to talk about how childhood trauma may affect adult relationships. Um, This dog. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm already almost out of the treats I cut up for him, so... Um, In more ways than one, childhood trauma can impact adult relationships, yet the challenges don't have to be permanent. With some support, healing is possible. Um, This is an article that I got online. I didn't get the, the, um, what do you call it? Like the website. Shoot. I will, if you're interested, let me know and I will post it um, in the Facebook group just in case you guys are interested in like more information on it. This is a pretty long article. Um, But anyway, so if you have experienced trauma during the first years of your life, you might look at, might look and experience adult relationships in a certain way. Perhaps you don't feel safe all the time, or maybe you face conflict with hesitation or avoidance. These are all natural and valid possibilities. I do not like conflict. 
<laughs> I'm sure a lot of you, you either don't like it or you're like a bull running through it. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very good with conflict. So this article kind of hits home for me. Um, if you're feeling this way or experience relationship challenges, know that you're not alone. In the United States, more than two-thirds of children have experienced some form of trauma, according to Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service, Services Administration, or SAMHSA. You can probably look that up online if you're interested. Across the globe, one in eight adults have reported childhood sexual abuse, and one in four have reported physical abuse, reports a 2017 study, Trusted Source. I don't know if that's the name of the study, but it says trusted source. Indeed, childhood trauma isn't as uncommon as you think, which is terrible. It's very frustrating as a person who doesn't have biological children um, to think of people who have them and these children depend on them for love, support, attention, you know, guidance, things like that. And some adults just take it for granted and they get frustrated and then they lash out at the kids and those poor children have no idea what's going on. Okay, so even though it may feel challenging at times, healing is within reach and along with it, better relationships and a greater quality of life. What is childhood trauma? In case you don't know, (laughs) childhood trauma is an umbrella term. It refers to any significantly distressing experiences you may have been exposed to as a child. Examples include physical violence, sexual abuse, natural disasters, loss of a loved one, like a parent at a young age, or a sibling, um, abandonment, foster care, any other event where you felt scared, helpless, horrified, or overwhelmed. Because we all experience life in different ways, what may be traumatic for you may not be for someone else. What really matters is how you perceive the situation and how you feel. Dr. Phil quote here, this is off topic. Dr. Phil used to always say perception is reality. How you perceive something is your reality. So if you perceive a situation where someone is hurting you, like emotionally, that's your reality. It's okay, like, for you to feel that way. If children, this is a quote, if children had enough nurturing and support, they're much less likely to experience trauma-related symptoms, says Christy Pearl, a licensed mental health counselor and certified EMDR therapist. She goes on to say, on the other hand, if the parents or caregivers do not provide enough support or if they were the source of the trauma the child is more likely to experience negative effects from that experience, she says. Complex trauma, which is repeated exposure to distressing events or experiences over a long period of time, can be particularly pervasive. That's a lot. Because I would say, I mean, hopefully if you're new to the show, you... um, we'll go back a few episodes to kind of hear my past and how I was treated as a child. Complex trauma does not even describe the garbage that I went through as a child. 
you know, I, my stepfather, the relationship I have with my mother, the relationship I have with my father and my stepmother, the abusive relationships with the grandparent. Um, there was not a lot of safe places for me. I guess you could say that I got used to that, which is really sad. So when I grew up and I began to form relationships, intimate or not, um, I didn't know, didn't know boundaries. I didn't understand. Like if, if I made somebody mad, I remember this, um, even when I was right out of high school, uh, Brooklyn, my best friend, hi Brooklyn, (laughs) she and I got into some disagreement and I don't remember even what it was about, but I thought because I disagreed with her or I upset her that she was going to take her friendship away from me. She was going to just leave. Why did I think that? Because everybody else who I didn't make happy either left or hurt me. So it took me a while to, like, she didn't understand why I was that way. Um, She knew my past, not as much as she probably knows now. But she, um, she was like, why would I take my friendship away from you? I was just mad at you or whatever. So that was kind of an eye-opening situation for me later when I looked back on things. And I was like, man, here I am just thinking she's just going to leave and I'm not going to have a best friend anymore. And that didn't happen. So, um, complex trauma. Uh, it's a lot. (laughs) Sorry. I have to get these dumb treats so that Barky Barkerson over here doesn't keep interrupting us. Um, sorry, I'll get that away from the speaker. (laughs) Childhood trauma can impact relationships because we learn about emotional bonds early in life. So when people we depend on for survival hurt us or aren't present, it can impact how we view human connection. Whew, that's a big statement. Um, Children, like I said before, they depend on their parents. They depend on the adults in their life. And it is the job of the parent to be a good role model and teach the child right from wrong, you know, just teach them life and not every parent is perfect we all know that I would never I would never fault my parents for what they did because I learned in treatment that we're just gonna go with that they did the best that they could that's what I'm going with so they did the best they could with what they had so I guess that helps me sleep more at night I don't know but you know, when, when my mom didn't really, like I've said in past episodes, I don't know if she knew about the abuse with my stepdad, Tom. I don't know if, I don't know. I do know that when I was 17, I disclosed that her father, a man whom I, Adored until the day he died, which is really weird because I was able to separate that, I guess. But she did not believe that he had um, inappropriately touched me as a child. Now, keep in mind, and I've said this before, I think, 
um, he was in, he received jail time like every other weekend or one weekend a month or something like that. Cause he was older and this was part of his plea agreement, but he would go to jail like one weekend a month to serve his time. I think he had to do community service too. I don't really know much. I never talked to him about that. I just got information from my mom. So my point in telling you that is that when I was in, stop, enough, sorry guys, again, I don't know how to edit this out, so I apologize. Um, When I was in the second grade, my mom divorced my brother's dad. Little did I know at the time, uh, she had had an affair with Tom and chose to leave my brother's dad and move my brother and I and herself into my grandfather's house. You guys, <laughs> when I tell you the amount of unbelievable neglect in this in this move, I don't know if it's neglect or if it's throwing your child into the fire, so so to speak. Here is her father. He is a convicted pedophile at this point. So we're going to move our two young children who are in elementary school and younger. We're going to move them in with him and we're going to let him be the main caretaker for them while mom works like pretty long shifts. uh, So she wouldn't come home until later. So it was his, his, I guess his job to make sure that brother and I got off the bus, make sure that we ate dinner, make sure we had our baths. My mother never, I cannot remember her doing that for us, making sure that we took baths and that we had clean clothes for the next day. I don't remember that ever happening. I'm not saying it didn't. I just don't remember it. Um, so the amount of unbelievable exposure stupidity, I don't know what you want to call it, for her placing her two children, who she claims to love and should protect, placing them in, what do you call it, the lion's den, the snake's den, I don't know what you call it. So she's completely oblivious. She never believed that um, my grandfather abused my cousin, or was my step-cousin, um, never believed that. Well, uh, I tried to tell her that it happened years later and she still was like, that's my father. How do you think I feel? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I'm rolling my eyes. Sorry. It's very frustrating because even after all of the stuff with Tom, her ex-husband, she still wasn't open to believe that her own father did that. Now, sorry, I hit the table. I, um, I do kind of feel like maybe she had some exposure to abuse from him as a child. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. But complex trauma (laughs) is terrible. And when you don't protect your children and you put them in situations around family members who have... (laughs) If you take a plea agreement, aren't you actually admitting to the crime see my point like 
He took a plea agreement. My mother paid for his lawyer. Come on. I mean, where are your mother instincts? Oh my gosh, why am I on a rant about this? Okay, back to the article. Age can play a role too. Our brains develop rapidly from newborn to toddlerhood. So in general, the order... The older you are when your trauma occurs, the less it may impact your future relationships, according to trusted source. Like I said, I don't know if that's, I'm sure that that's their way of referencing it, but I don't know what that trusted source is. For example, if you were 14 instead of four, the trauma would be different for you. But this isn't always the case. Many other factors are at play like the intensity of the trauma, how long you were exposed to it, and how often it occurred. Excuse me. Another consideration is whether you had other satisfactory relationships around you at the time. Excuse me, like family members, caring teachers, faith leaders, or other adults who felt safe to you. (coughs) Sorry, guys. Impact of childhood trauma on adult relationships. There are myriad ways. I feel like that's kind of weird. There's a lot of ways that childhood trauma can impact the way you experience adult relationships. This isn't the case for everyone, but it may be the case for some people. We're going to talk about attachment styles. Your early experiences help shape what you believe about the world. It's a secure place versus it's a scary place or perhaps somewhere in between. This is where attachment theory may come into play. The way you relate to others to establish or avoid intimacy. According to this theory, our adult bonds tend to mirror those we first established with primary caregivers. Based on this, there are four main attachment styles. I need you to think about this. According to this theory, our adult bonds tend to mirror those we first established in primary with primary caregivers. That's like, that's pretty big. Like, okay. So the first one is secure. Someone with this attachment style is open to establishing trust and close relationships, close relationships with other people. They are not hesitant about loving and being loved. They don't avoid intimacy and this dog. They don't avoid intimacy and they tend not to depend entirely on someone else. Yeah, I don't, I didn't have that. (laughs) Anxious or anxious preoccupied is the second one. Those who establish this attachment style may experience significant fear of being abandoned and a need to be validated consistently. Ding, ding. In addition, they may feel their partner rarely cares enough for them. Holy macaroni and cheese, you guys. Oh, wow. This attachment style, like if I think about my husband, when we were together as teen, when I was a teenager, he wasn't a teenager, but when I was a teenager, so I came out of this, uh, sorry, relationship, this situation with Tom, and I was very like smothered in that, um, I don't know why I'm talking with my hands. You guys can't see me. But it was very smothered. And, you know, he was in control of everything. When Ryan and I got together, I 
expected him to treat me the same way. Isn't that messed up? Um, he didn't treat me that way. And I, I feel like I might have smothered him a smudge. But um, it's very interesting. And that one is, so that one is called Anxious or Anxious Preoccupied. Um, I'm going to have to go to the pet store and buy some more of these stupid little bones. These are the mini ones. Gosh, keep up with me, guys. Sorry, I'm all over the place today. Dismissive avoidant. Someone with this attachment style may experience fear of emotional intimacy. This might lead them to avoid getting too close to others or too... Sorry. This may lead them to avoid getting too close to others or too just too distrust <laughs> or too distru- distrust their significant others. As a result, they're often emotionally unavailable. So I think in this one, you know, if you choose to be an If you choose to be in a, not be in a relationship because you're scared of the intimacy, you're afraid that that person is going to hurt you, or if they find out about what happened to you, they're not going to like you, or they're going to think differently of you. Um, if they, if they don't like you because of something terrible that someone else did to you, F them. You don't need that garbage. You, and most of the time, I don't, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, because you guys probably, someone out there has experienced this where maybe they, they, um, disclose, you know, the information to their spouse or a potential spouse. And then they were like, dude, that's too much baggage. I'm not getting involved in this. Most of the time, that's not the case. So if this person loves you and they want to be with you, they, in my opinion, they deserve to know everything about you. And in my opinion, I feel like that would make them, one, feel closer to you. And the compassion that they may show you or the, um, the empathy that they may show you can be helpful because then they become a safe place for you. So, for example, when I disclosed my abuse from Tom to Ryan when I was 15, um, Ryan could have been like, I'm out, dude, that's weird. You know, you're telling me something that could potentially ruin a man's life. So I'm out. He didn't do that. He was very... I mean, like I said in the episode when I talked about it, um, he was emotional because he couldn't understand how somebody would do that. He didn't understand it. He couldn't wrap his mind around it. Um, I was in another semi-serious relationship, and when I first met this guy, excuse me, this was 15 years ago or so, um, I remember meeting him like for dinner or whatever because we worked together. So he was always so chipper and blah. (laughs) And I remember I had told him 
you know, this is the situation, you know, I'm still fresh out of treatment and, you know, I may have some issues. And I remember he met me at this restaurant and he came around and he gave me um, a kiss on the cheek and he goes, you know, I don't understand how somebody could want to hurt you. And he was so sweet about it. That's probably, (laughs) probably one of the top things that he said that was sweet, you know? So I think if you, if you decide to disclose this information to your partner or potential partner, um, I think you may be surprised and you can be the judge of it. Don't let your fear dictate you moving past your trauma because that's, it's just fear and anxiety. It's, it's the fear of losing something that you want, something that you're close to. And again, it's kind of like the self-blame stuff where you're like, it's my fault I was abused or whatever. And they're going to see that and they're going to think I'm bad. Um, that's not true. You've got to quit telling yourself that because it's not true. Um, okay. So I got a lot to get through. So I'm going to try really hard not to veer off too much. Um, so that was dismissive avoidant fearful avoidant people with this attachment style may may crave attention and love (laughs) I said that really weird and love they may crave attention and love from their significant others but at the same time avoid emotional intimacy on their part they may need to feel loved and attended to but they usually and this is underlined avoid developing close romantic relationships so I wonder if this is like that, uh, I don't know what they call it, love complex, something where people like are addicted to that feeling of being loved and in love and, you know, that honeymoon stage of relationships. Like once that fizzles out, they, oh, well, this isn't good for me anymore. And then they move on to the next one. And I don't know if maybe that's the same thing because they never really have an intimate, close relationship. And When I say intimate, I'm not just referring to sex. I'm referring to like that emotional intimacy where this person is your safe place and they are, uh, they're your person. (laughs) Like Ryan is my person. And I mean, my best friend is my person too, but two totally different kind of persons. So, um, okay. The last three attachment styles are considered quote, insecure attachments, unquote. These may pose unique challenges in adult relationships. If you feel like you identified with any of the last three styles, it's important to be patient with yourself as you begin to heal. Attachment styles aren't something you choose to do every day. They stem from early experiences that are out of your control. I'm going to say that again. They stem from early experiences that were out of your control. Okay, if you need to write that down, this is not, I mean, this is all of these anxieties and stuff that you may have, they stem from something that was out of your control. So give yourself some grace on that. Um, Pearl, the person that I quoted a little bit earlier back, what was her name? Well, anyway, Pearl, that's her last name. She says, these are not conscious choices these responses are our brain's capacity to adapt 
and survive, survive in a non-nurturing environment. And they can be worked on and overcome. Okay. Next little segment, trust challenges. It's not uncommon to struggle with trusting others if you've had certain early experiences in life. You may find it hard to trust that your partner is going to be there for you when you need them or trust them when they say they're going to respect your needs and boundaries or trust them that they're not out having some kind of wild affair on the side. You know, trust, trust is a beast. You might also doubt your loved even when your partner expresses is expressive about it. So kind of veering off, I promised I wouldn't, but I got to tell you this. So Ryan has never been the type of, I mean, he's, he's a sweet, emotional guy. Um, he's sensitive and I love that about him. My youngest stepson is like him in that way. And I, I think it's adorable when he's talking about his girlfriend and he's just so like attentive and sweet about it. And I'm like, you're so much like your dad. And then he like lights up or whatever. Anyway, um, Ryan doesn't typically express his love very much. Um, so it's not like every time we hang up the phone, I love you. Nope. That does not happen with us. It's like, okay, see ya homie or whatever. You know, we like hang up stupid. Um, but if he knows I'm struggling with something, it's like, he has like a spidey sense about it. And he's like, okay, she's struggling and she needs reassurance. Now, sometimes I literally have to tell him I'm struggling and I need you to be more loving and sensitive. And that's not a bad thing to, I mean, sometimes I'm not saying men are insensitive or kind of like out there. Sometimes they literally just need to be told what you need from them because they don't know. And if somebody has never been around a survivor of abuse, you know, it may not even be something that they think about. So it's okay if you have to tell them what you need or what you want from them. It's okay. And that kind of leads into communication styles. Can I get a little drinky drink? The A-dog has gone over across the room, so I guess he got his fill of his little bones. <laughs> communication styles. Childhood trauma may also affect the way you communicate with others as an adult. Your communication style may reflect what is modeled for you as a child or what was modeled for you as a child. For example, I don't know why I got a little excited, I guess. (laughs) For example, if you grew up in a home with frequent yelling matches, you may reenact these exchanges with your partner. You may believe that this is how you address conflict in a relationship. Um, it's not. <laughs> you may also find it challenging to verbally express your emotions or even talk about what's important to you. Some communication styles may be related to how others communicated with you or others early in your life. Wait a minute. Some communication styles that may be related to how others communicate with you or early in your life may include passive. Man, I messed that sentence up so bad. 
<laughs> you guys, I wish that I had an edit button on this. Seriously. It's like I'm all over the place. Um, a dog's back. Okay, some communication styles that may be related to how others communicated with you or others early in your life include, there we go, passive, which is indirect, self-denying, or apologetic. Ooh, if you're always like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know some people like that. And sometimes I'm like that too. Passive aggressive. Ooh, these people piss me off. Emotionally dishonest and self-enhancing at the expense of others. Ooh, uh, passive aggressive trying to think of the last time somebody was passive aggressive with me and I called them out. It's like, oh, that's very passive aggressive of you. (laughs) Um, Aggressive, inappropriate for some situations, blaming, controlling, direct, and attacking. So that's interesting. Um, Communication styles are something you learn and develop over time. In the same way, you can unlearn them and learn how to communicate in different ways. And that, my friend, is what what happens when you have good friends, healthy relationships, and in my case, I had a really good psychologist who was able to uh, help me understand what was appropriate. Um, I'm trying to think of if I have an example of that, because, excuse me, um, here we, I was just talking about this last night to a new friend. Um, when I was in my twenties, my mother was very codependent, I think on me. Like, I don't know if it was codependency. She was very, our relationship was very conditional. Um, and my brother got in trouble and I mean like legal trouble. And she had asked if he could come live with me. And this was one of the times. And I said no. First of all, because he didn't have a vehicle or a driver's license. And I lived 30 minutes away from where he worked. So that would have been really dumb. Uh, And I was like, no. Plus he was kind of being an ass back then. Well, at the time he was... (laughs) He was just all over the place. So I was like, no, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, it's not going to happen. So her response to that was, so you're just going to throw him to the wolves. And I was like, I guess if that's what that means. Um, So my mother didn't talk to me for three months after that because she was mad because I didn't help my brother. Um, And that was not... That was not the first time, but I forgot why I even said that to you guys. I was looking for, um, oh, the feelings like that kind of conditional relationship is wrong. It was wrong for me. Um, my mother and I had a very conditional relationship across the board until the end when I kind of let my guard down. And I was with her for the rest of her, you know, her days and gave her the respect and the love that I felt that she deserved. Um, But there were times when she would need rent money and she would be like, can I borrow some money for rent? And I'm like, no. And then she's like, well, if I can borrow it, then, you know, we can go, we can hang out after church or whatever. 
So you're saying if I don't give you the money, we can't hang out? So it was kind of like I had to give her the money for her to give me her time. And that kind of crap was very difficult for me. And my brother and I still have that kind of relationship to this day. It's never just, hey, sis, how you doing? It's, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? I need to borrow money. I need this. I need that. Never just, hey, let's hang out. How you doing? Never. So my point is that I had to relearn what boundaries are and the relationships. And I had to understand that they are wired differently in their brains. And this is how they survived. And I don't have to participate in that. And it doesn't have to be the way that I interact with them. Okay, so I had to relearn that. Um, Okay, again, you guys, I'm sorry, I kind of veered off, but trauma reenactment. This is another little section. In some cases, you may enter some relationships that mimic or reinforce what you learned as a child. This is called trauma reenactment. You may find yourself repeating cycles from your early life and placing yourself in situations, holy crap, where you may be hurt again emotionally or physically. I got something to say about this while I'm done. This isn't a personal choice. This may be a defense mechanism that leads you to seek something that feels familiar. Familiar. It may also be an unconscious attempt to heal through facing the same challenges. Uh, Dr. Nancy Irwin, a clinical psychologist in Los Angeles, says, if that trauma remains unresolved, people unconditionally, nope, (laughs) unconsciously seek the, the comfort of the known, even if it's painful. Let me read that again. If that trauma remains unresolved, which means it hasn't been worked through, people unconsciously seek the comfort of the known even if it's painful, says Dr. Nancy Irwin, a clinical psychologist from Los Angeles. So after Ryan and I broke up when I was 17-ish, I found myself getting in, I found myself looking for older men around Tom's age, between Tom's age and my age. So there was a big time difference, or like age difference. I wanted wanted somebody who would basically fill that role because it felt familiar to me. I wanted somebody who had their thumb on me because Ryan and I were not together. I was freaking devastated. I didn't know, I didn't know what real relationships were. I didn't, I wasn't feeling loved at home. I had all of this garbage in my head and I just kept going back to these same kind of guys, these freaking creepy guys. Now I wouldn't even freaking look at them because I'm like, first of all, why are you hanging out with a 17-year-old? That's weird and illegal. But, you know, so I kept putting myself in these situations. And I kept praying for God to change my heart so that I could move past this and I could find the right guy and I could settle down and, you know, live the life of a Christian woman and with her husband and have a family and You know, that's what I really wanted then. And I didn't know what that looked like. But when I was 21, 
I was in an, <laughs> you guys are going to laugh at me when I tell you this story, but it's so good. <laughs> okay, this is such a good, goofy story. It's so embarrassing, but I have to get you to understand where I was emotionally and spiritually at this time. So there was this, I was in a, I was in an intimate situation um, with someone who I had really started to connect to. This was when I was 21. Um, <laughs> and literally in an intimate moment. Uh, and in my head, this is what I hear. Nikki, what are you doing? What are you doing? You ask me to help you get out of these situations, yet here you are in a situation that's unhealthy. In my head, I'm like, oh, shoot. So (laughs) I said to the the guy, I was like, guy, I'm going to need you to leave. (laughs) He's like, what? I was like, I'm going to need you to leave because this is not going to happen. I can't do this. This is wrong. And he was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, seriously, you got to go. So he, he got his stuff together, got dressed or whatever. And he was leaving my apartment and I looked out the window <laughs> and he turned around and he looked at my apartment. He was like, what? <laughs> like, he was like, what the hell just happened? So my point is, <laughs> I kept getting in these unhealthy relationships, yet I was praying to God to help me get out of these situations. I was in, I was like an emotional, spiritual mess. But in that moment, I was like, what am I doing? I got to stop. And you guys, I did literally stopped right in the moment. And I was like, you got to go. And it, <laughs> it's so stupid, but I think it's so funny because when he was in the parking lot, he turned around. He was like, what? <laughs> like he was out there by himself. It was like two o'clock in the morning or whatever. And so he left. I ended up still being friends with him later. But anyway, so there's a little funny, goofy story because I, at that moment, decided I was not going to put myself in those relationships anymore. I was done. I was going to go down the path that God had laid out for me. And whatever that meant, I didn't know, but I knew what I was doing was wrong at the time. Wrong for me. Uh, So anyway, the trauma reenactment is basically, if you wonder why you keep going out with these guys, um, if you're a female or whatever, uh, you keep going out with these same type of people. They're abusive. They may be an alcoholic. They may be a drug addict because... Maybe your parents were a drug addict or an alcoholic and you're used to that chaos. So you continue to put yourself in the chaos. I'm here to say it's okay to stop that. You just have, it's going to be uncomfortable. You got, it was so uncomfortable for me for the, probably a year. I kept wanting to go back to those relationships because it felt familiar. But I'm so glad that I pulled myself away from that and I was able to focus on myself, my treatment. Um, it, it was just finally a time where I stopped and I did what I felt I was supposed to be doing at the time. Okay. So I hope nobody holds that uh, little story against me. If you ever 
talk to me or whatever, but uh, <laughs> I still think about it and obviously laugh because it was, it was so funny. Okay, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, or they call it EQ. So it's like your, your intellectual intelligence. Well, this is your emotional intelligence. It refers to the ability to perceive and manage your own emotions and those of other people in different situations. In other words, it relates to awareness and emotional regulation. <laughs> I'm still laughing. He's like, what? <laughs> okay, sorry. People who have experienced childhood trauma may have a harder time developing these aspects. Think of it this way. Childhood trauma may have challenged the development of all of the tools you needed for you, for your emotional toolkit. That's kind of a good way to look at it. Some examples of how EQ may manifest in relationships include collaboration and cooperation, empathy, emotional self-awareness, ability to express how you feel, ability to identify what the other person may be feeling, tendency to evaluate your reactions, ability to pause before reacting, accountability, Ability to link your thoughts and emotions with your behaviors. Ability to link your thoughts, nope. Ability to link your behaviors with other people's emotional reactions. Someone who has experienced childhood trauma may have difficulty developing one or more of these EQ skills. But EQ, excuse me, is a skill set that can be learned and developed at any age. It can be added to your toolkit as you begin to heal. Everybody put their tool belt on. <laughs> Mental health conditions. Research shows there may be a link between childhood trauma and the development of certain mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. I'm going to be the first one to admit I have both of those. Um, all of these may affect your interpersonal relationships on some level. Only a trained mental health professional can diagnose these conditions or how some of these symptoms affect your relationships. Working on trauma resolution. I only have like 12 minutes left, so I'm gonna run through these pretty quickly. Healing from childhood trauma is possible. There are many ways you can start your path to feeling better and establishing more satisfactory relationships. Therapy. Psychotherapy can also, actually psychotherapy, also called talk therapy, can be a great way for you to process your past and examine how you be, it may be impacting the present. Have the support of someone who specializes in trauma make a difference. <laughs> I said that so wrong. Having the support of someone who specializes in trauma does make a difference. They'll be able to listen to you without judgment and guide you step-by-step step to a better relationship and increase self-awareness. Eye movement, desensitization, desensitization, <laughs> EMDR, according to this trusted source that's, I don't know what it is, is considered the first-line treatment of trauma. I never did EMDR when I was working with Beth. That wasn't a thing um, until a few years after she and I worked together. So I've never done this. Um, I know people who have, and they say that it works wonderfully. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, particularly imagery rescripting, imagery rescripting can also help address traumatic reactivity and trauma-related thoughts and memories. In fact, research of this anonymous trusted source 
shows that this type of CBT may be beneficial for treating childhood trauma as well. You can locate therapists who specialize in trauma through the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies. Holy cow. Um, Inner work. Awareness can be a personal path to lead to healing. You guys probably think I can't read. I'm so sorry. Here are some books that look at trauma from a from the different holy crap from different perspectives or explore important aspects of relationships. So I'm going to blow through these real quick. Just the titles: The Body Keeps the Score, which also is like something that Beth used to say to me. The, the mind wait, the body remembers things the mind tries tries to forget. So it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Attached, Keeping the Love You Find, How to Be an Adult, How to Be an Adult in Relationships. If you're in my office, it's already too late. That's interesting. Extraordinary Relationships. If you guys need um, me to put this on the Facebook group, I am happy to just shoot me a, a message and I'll put the list with the author's names on there for you. Uh, the next one is relationship care. You might want to share the specifics of your traumatic experience or you may not. Both options are valid and entirely up to you. If you feel ready to share, you may explain to those around you that you're aware that your childhood trauma may be impacting your relationship dynamic and you're actively working on yourself. I had to do that a few times with my friends as I was going through treatment. Uh, if you feel ready and safe, you may also consider sharing bits and pieces of your story with your partner or friends to provide some context. You don't need to disclose ev- disclose everything at once. You may try this one step at a time and see how it feels. Consider Brene, B-R-E-N-E with a little whoop over the E, Brown. Her advice, quote, you share with people who've earned the right to hear your story. Ooh, I like that. But remember, you don't have to share your story at all to heal. If you and your loved ones are open to it, relationships therapy can be a great resource to consider too. Self-care. It's important to fill up your own cup, not with bourbon, as you work on healing your relationships. While working with a licensed trauma-informed therapist can help you a great deal, you might also want to additionally engage in some self-loving activities (laughs) that complement your healing process. So this goes back to my inner child stuff, Um, the the self-loving stuff. I was like, I kind of regressed back for a short time and I did the coloring and I you know, the things that I really enjoyed back then, playing with Play-Doh, Barbies, things like that. You know, I just really um, allowed myself to feel that because I didn't really get to feel it a lot as a kid. So it was just something that I did for myself. Um, There are also some science-backed lifestyle choices that that you can consider to improve your overall quality of life. Some of these include diet. A balanced diet with whole nutrient-dense foods may help you feel better in general. I still need to try that one. (laughs) Exercise. At least 30 minutes of moderate exercise five times per week can boost your health. That's a lot of exercise. (laughs) Mindfulness. Some practices like yoga or meditation can provide relaxation time. Okay. I've tried yoga once. (laughs) 
I'm not very good at it. Sleep. Getting seven to nine hours of sleep every night can help you can help decrease brains your brain fog and chronic pain. That's interesting. I didn't realize chronic pain had anything to do with your sleep. Okay. Reflection. Setting aside a few minutes every day to journal or process your day could help you work on self-awareness and emotional regulation. Let's recap. I'm almost done. (laughs) Childhood trauma can affect your adult relationships, but it can also be overcome. It's important to realize that many of your current relationship challenges are not, not a personal choice. Excuse me. You do deserve love and peace. Some of the coping strategies you learned from childhood may have been appropriate in the past. After all, they helped you survive. But it may be time to leave them behind. This is a quote from Colleen Hilton, a licensed marriage and family therapist in Seattle. It becomes a problem only later in life when the behavior no longer fits the circumstances. It's like using old technology from the 90s, hey, (laughs) to engage with the internet today. It doesn't work well. She also goes on to say, it's important to remember that the behavior served a very important purpose at the time. They're just no longer relevant today. So we need to learn new strategies and ways of behaving in relationships in the present circumstances, she says. Seeking the help of mental health professional of a mental health professional can become an important support in your healing journey. Um, there's some resources here about American Psychiatric Associations. Um, I can put that on the website if you want, or on the Facebook page. So I, that's the whole article. That was a pretty long article, but I felt like it was pretty informative. Um, I'm sorry, I was kind of, I'm just trying to get back in the groove of this. So I'm sorry if I go off on little tangents or rants or whatever. Um, I just feel like if I give you guys examples uh, that maybe some of the stuff that I talk about, you can understand maybe like what I'm saying. Um, So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'm hoping I'll be able to do this weekly going forward. Um, We're getting into my busy season at my job, my day job. So it might... Like next month, it might end up being bi-weekly. But I promise I won't make you guys wait four more weeks for another episode. Because that was really mean of me. Not mean, but just rude. Because my husband's like, everybody's going to think you fell off the face of the earth. And I was like, no, they probably don't even care. So, <laughs> he's he's so funny. I won't do a podcast when he's home. So, tonight's his last night of bowling. I think he's not going to bowl anymore. So, then I'm like what am I supposed to do about my podcast? He's like, I don't know, figure it out. And I'm like, "Mm, gonna need you to go away for an evening so that I can work on it. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I hope that you can find some peace in your situation that you're dealing with. Uh, Just have a wonderful week and please reach out to me if you want to. I Try to stay uh, available like on my phone or whatever through Facebook Messenger. Excuse me. I also didn't know that you could send voicemails through this Anchor app that I use. Um, I just found one from June from a wonderful listener. 
And I just wanted you to know that I just found it. I wasn't ignoring you for over a month. (laughs) So I really appreciate the encouraging messages. Um, Also, if you're new and you don't know about the the actual Facebook group, it's um, Kept Secrets, a podcast about overcoming childhood trauma. And the picture, like the cover photo of it is the same picture that is used as my little uh, photo on the podcast itself. So um, I just hope you guys have a good week and stay positive. Keep your chin up and I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you.